It's time to crack a cold one and wreck some rankings on Wrecked Rankings. As the kids would say with that beer crack, it is game on for our sports edition of Wrecked Rankings. Uh, halfway through saying that, I realized that uh, kids probably aren't cracking beers, but uh, either way, the statement still holds. Uh, today, we are discussing the best and worst sports movies. Well, this is very apt because your commentary sounds just like Joe Buck. <laughs> Very confusing and nonsensical. But you know what? These sports movies, you know, I think we're a little partial to them. We grew up, you know, loving sports. Were we good at any of them? No. But, you know, we spent nights watching Sports Center and Baseball Tonight. Even mm-hmm. the same reruns, you know, because like, it would essentially be the same thing. But sports movies, they transfer you to a different a different dimension almost. Like it, It's like a total alternate reality. Or you can see yourself through the lens of either children, pets, odd situations, old men. There really is no limit to what a sports movie can be. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be said for sports movies. And right off the bat, I'm just going to say, you know, I don't think there's any right or wrong answers for what would be the best. Because I think everybody's got their own personal connections to, to various sports movies. Um, and with my list today, I think one thing I'm going to ask you at the end is... I try to take my personal bias out of a lot of these selections in many ways, but technically possibly my favorite sports movie at all time is not in my list. So I think at the end, I'm going to see if you can possibly guess what it is that I had left off just uh, based on your best estimation. That's very interesting because, you know, I I had put a lot of personal bias into this. I I tried to keep the things I've seen. Um, Really the only parameter I tried to stick with was... I tried to not really include any sequels because when you really start digging into sports franchise movies, (laughs) most of the sequels are terrible. Really, really, really bad. So, like, I wanted to make it more of the mainstream movies. Um, But, again, that was the only thing I considered, really. Yeah, um, I guess going into it, uh, when I was looking, there's a couple themes I noticed, things that play into a sports movie. Obviously, one, they have to do with sports in one way or another. Um, but some of the common themes is, you know, usually there's something to overcome, like with any movie, some form of adversity. And a lot of times, you know, sports are kind of intertwined and in whatever that, that conflict is, hence them being the sports movies. Uh, but some of the things you notice is usually there's some, there's a focus on growth in more than one ways a lot of times too, like mm-hmm. if they're improving athletically, but also in some other ways in their personal lives and a lot of these movies, like there's a... There's a huge emphasis on character development in a lot of these sports movies. Yeah, I mean, I, most of them end with some moral, right? And not too many of them end on a sour note or with, like, the villains winning. Yeah, I, I think there's there, there's some, I guess, exceptions to those types of rules. But, I mean, going into it, some of the other factors just sometimes see are these underdog stories where, you know, if somebody doesn't belong somewhere and, and, and finds that they do by the end of the movie, those, those types of things. Um, but really, I think the only limitation I put on my list is I really tried to avoid, uh, duplicating any sports. So I didn't mm. want to focus. Cause I knew if you okay. were to do a list that's purely based off what would be the best movie from like a, a critical standpoint, I think some certain sports are likely to repeat. Um, so what I did with my list is I didn't repeat any sports. Um, but then also I tried to find different movies to put in here uh, that had a little bit different takeaways from them as well. So I tried to kind of diversify a bit with the themes and elements that, that go just beyond the sports itself. Uh, so I tried to get some variety in here. Um, like I said, I think there's a lot of worthy choices that would go into a top five. Um, yeah. But I have some reasons for what I put in here. I, I tried to, to branch out a bit. Um, but I think that that's really just about everything I considered when I went through this. I guess. Is there anything else you had to add before we go? Well, you you know what goes great with sports? Beer. Oh, that is true. So, (laughs) yeah. uh, What are we drinking today, Nathan? Today, from the Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company in in the Houston area, we have the More Cowbell IPA, which is obviously a nod to the uh, More Cowbell joke from uh, back in the day on SNL. But uh, what are your first impressions here? Yeah, so this is a double IPA. It is 9% alcohol by volume. I'm very, you know, interested to have this one on the show with you today. Um, normally, we're not big IPA people, but I figure after the Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA, we'd give more a chance. Uh, let's see here. That's not bad. 
it's smoother than you'd expect for for the nine percent alcohol. Like the, I could see yeah. how this could sneak up on you. Because I guess I guess when you get into that that double IPA range, you're you're definitely hitting some of those higher percentage thresholds. But but yeah, no, I guess we'll see how this plays out throughout the podcast as well. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah. You know what? Let, let me start this off here. All right, I'll right, start off with up. the worst list. So number five, worst sports movie. A little feature called Fever Pitch. You son of a gun. This is a 2005 movie starring Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. So I think out of everything on my list, those are going to be the only ones with like household names for the most part. This movie is a love story. It's a romantic comedy with baseball themes throughout the whole thing. So the, the Boston Red Sox, which naturally, by saying that, already puts the movie like two, two notches down. Okay. It follows essentially Jimmy Fallon's character. And, like, the story opens up, essentially, I'll, I'll, I'll say it in a nutshell. He's a kid who doesn't really, he doesn't really have a purpose. He doesn't really, like, he's kind of, I think he gets bullied at the beginning of the movie. But anyways, his uncle one day takes him to a Red Sox game. His uncle's a season ticket holder. You fast forward, like, 22 years later, like, Jimmy Fallon fell in love with the Red Sox. He inherited his uncle's season tickets. So he's, like, a 30-year-old teacher. And he, on a school field trip, meets Drew Barrymore's character, who, of course, you know, in 2005 is this this crazy executive businesswoman who's all about work. And he asks her out, and she says no, like a jerk. And then she finally says yes, and, like, everything's going great. Until what happens, Nathan? Baseball season starts, all right? So he asks her to go to opening day, and, like, of course she doesn't understand baseball. So she goes there. And, like, all the old season ticket holders kind of, like, grill her, and she doesn't know what the Curse of the Bambino is. Nathan, tell everyone what the Curse of the Bambino was. It is this uh, curse that is uh, supposed to have exist that has now since been broken but, uh, because the, the Red Sox traded away Babe Ruth uh, for essentially money that they uh, cursed their own franchise. But once again, that does not exist, so I think it's uh, old news, as they say. You know, it, yeah, it was very ironic. So this this adaptation was actually based off of a British version from the 90s, off of soccer. So it's not, it's not even an original story, okay? Now, it's cool and all that the Red Sox did finally win the World Series in 04, but it, it's such... It, it's such a weird premise for an old man, because like, they have struggles because she thinks he's a child. Hey, you know what? Like what you like. I don't understand. Let, let him like baseball. Why is it so wrong? Okay. And then at one point in the movie, she brings her laptop to a game to try to work, you know, because she's an executive. And that doesn't go well. She gets hit in the face. I think it's like Miguel Tejada. Yeah, she gets <laughs> hit in the face with a foul ball. And uh, they, they struggle from there. And then, like, she doesn't think, you know, that they're serious. So they kind of separate. And then, like, he leaves a, a game for her. And they go make love, and everything's fantastic. But then he finds out from one of his buddies that he missed like this epic like seven run comeback in the bottom of the ninth. So then he blames it on her <laughs> when he just said he loved her. It's just ridiculous. The story climaxes. So like Jimmy Fallon's gonna sell his season tickets because he realizes he loves Drew Barrymore more than the season tickets are worth. And like right before that happens, of course she somehow makes it into the stadium. She runs across the field. There's a Johnny Damon cameo. And, like, she, she, like, stops him from selling the tickets. And that just happens to be the game when they're down in the ALCS, three games to nothing, against the Yankees. And then they win that game, and then subsequently they go on to win the World Series. It, it's just, it's, it's goofy. The, the movie ends, they're going like, to have a kid, and they're like, oh, we'll name the kid Ted Williams. No, okay. <laughs> it's cheesy. It has the Red Sox. It's based off a movie about soccer. These are all negatives. What do you have to I have say? Loved, I, I own this movie. I, I love this movie, but I, I think you're discounting the great underdog story that's happening. What is the great underdog the story? Okay, so so one, it seems like the relationship stacked against him. He uh, he's uh, got all these uh, commitments to baseball, and you know she's not understanding of, of of those time commitments and why he values this so highly. Um, and, and then from her perspective, you know she she's seeing you know, there, there's no possible way this could work. There's no way he could love me. And then eventually both of them individually 
at the end come to realize how much the other means to 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 them uh, to to each other to where like uh you know he's willing to sell his season tickets and she doesn't want him to and they realize they should accept each other for who they are see but they don't deserve anything because they both seem too childish <laughs> they're not a good fit well, I mean and then in the background you have the greatest underdog story in sports history with uh you know the Red Sox making their comeback, and it's not the greatest underdog series. story in history. It, it is, it is absolutely fantastic. Is is what it is. Um, so I think there's some very big factors you're discounting when you're discussing this movie. The Cardinals were a better team that year. They were not a better team by any means. <laughs> Anyways, that's my number five. I'm sticking to it. Jimmy Fallon's a bad actor. Red Sox are a bad team. That's the synopsis of it. <laughs> this is starting off terribly. Okay, well you go all right, ahead. All right, so I'll go to number five, and with my movies, I'll try to similar to like the the Christmas episode we had. I'll try to discuss these without on the best side, at least without like a horrible amount of spoilers in case uh, somebody wants to see these or something. Okay, um, so I'll, I'll try to keep to that. At number five, uh, this may be a stretch depending on what you can, like consider to be a sports movie, but I have the original Karate Kid from nineteen eighty four. Um, with Ralph Macchio, and, and basically he's Danny LaRusso. He, he's new to town, he, he's moved in, and he's having a hard time, you know, dealing with these bullies that he has around him. Uh, and so there's this Cobra Kai karate studio that, that they belong to, or the dojo, sorry. Yeah. I did not mean to cause offense there. Um, but there's this dojo that they all belong to, and ultimately... He he decides that you know he he wants to fight back against these bullies uh, as the the movie progresses, but really I think what kind of steals the show is he meets uh, Mr Miyagi, who uh, who is at his apartment complex you know does the maintenance there and ultimately starts befriending him and learns how to you know control his emotions and to be focused and disciplined and you know improve himself uh, on. You know his internal fortitude, or whatever you want to call it, and, and so he he gets all these critical life skills that he's able to you know apply throughout the movie, uh, and including you know with his love interest and you know his ongoing conflict with his other dojo, and it obviously it's going to culminate in a karate uh, show off uh, where they where they're they're having a combative uh, tournament going on towards the end. So that that's Really, the the common plot theme of the movie it's karate, but but beyond that, just kind of you know learning and growing and those types of things. Uh, but but yeah, it's, it's a it's a classic movie. I, I, they even had sequels, and it was remade again in the future. And now you have the Cobra Kai uh, TV show that spun off of it. But I think it's something that's been pretty big in American history, as far as you know something that. It's a popular film, but it's also something that applies not only to adults, but it's something that kids could watch as well and get into. You know, as a kid, I totally agree with you. Uh, Rewatching this movie as an adult, I do start to feel more, you know, empathetic for William Zabka's character. <laughs> because he was taken out with an illegal move, okay? You work all... And then you find out, you know, he went through like, you know... He was treated like crap going through his dojo, and all he wanted to do was win the All Valley. <laughs> he gets taken out. You know, he was just beating up LaRusso. I don't understand. Anyways, it's a great movie. I think it's morphed into an even greater show, which I think yeah. helps elevate the original movie. Um, the only thing, I'm, I'm glad you said the original and not the one with Will Smith's kid in like 2006 or 8 or whatever it was. That was bad. Well, how can that movie be real if our eyes aren't real? That's what Jaden Smith would say. Oh, God. Anyways, a fantastic movie. Classic underdog story. That one is a classic underdog story. Um, good times, good vibes. Can't wait for season four of Cobra Kai. Yeah. And I would say, too, even if you think Danny is kind of a jerk, doesn't that make Mr. Miyagi's teachings even more important that he got them, of all people, to where even if you think he's kind of entitled in certain things that he does, he, it's probably good that he got those lessons. Out of anybody, yeah, I, th- I think that, that's a fair point. I didn't think about it that, that way, uh, but yeah, no, I mean it's a great movie if you've never seen it. Uh, it teaches all kinds of good things, and like I said, it's a it's a fun fun for all ages type of movie. Okay, uh, so number four on the worst list from 1997, Airbud. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Airbud for a minute. I think most people know it in, in some general sense. 
Okay. The beginning of the movie. Uh, again, I'm going to go a lot shorter with this one. There's an alcoholic clown. He has a sidekick. They're at a kid's party. Airbud causes some some issues. So he like he sends his dog off. He's like, well, you know, forget you. I'm going to abandon you. Go off to the kennel. Okay, sorry. Right, I gotta hold you up. So I've never seen Airbud. Oh, what? I've never You've watched. Never it. seen Airbud. You're a '90s so, kid. So, so your your description of the intro is already horrifying me. So we holy crap! It, you've never the, seen Airbud? No, no. Okay, so let me let me let me get this. The dog is its name Airbud from the start. Like, is it? No, 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 no. His, his name is never actual Air, actually Airbud. I can't remember what his name is at the beginning. It, but it wasn't Bud or Buddy or okay, anything like so, that. So it could be like Joseph or something. Sure, yeah. Like, it could have been any of that. But his so, owner is an alcoholic clown. Yeah, he does like kids parties and stuff. And he did his, the parties like with the dog. The dog's supposed to do like cool tricks and stuff. Anyways, the dog caused a lot of ruckus at one party in the opening. Again, he like banishes his dog. Well, forget yeah. you. I don't want what, you anymore. What kind of ruckus are we talking about? Like, I'm actually kind of intrigued. Uh, he, like, I, they ruin the cake at some point. No, he doesn't bite it. it. It's more playful damage. Oh, okay. Than it is anything. But, you know, he's trying to get paid because, you know, he's an alcoholic clown. <laughs> Anyways. So, other side of the story. There's a new kid who just moved into town. And, like, he likes basketball. But, like, he's too shy to try out for the team. So, like, he ends up being the equipment manager. And then, like, so he's pract- like he practices, like, in this random makeshift court, like, after the team leaves and everything. And, like, one day, the dog shows up. And they start hanging out together. He takes the dog home. He calls him Buddy. So that's where the Air Bud comes from. Okay. So it's it's an evolution of the name is yeah. where we're going. Okay. Yeah. So uh, essentially, like a, a few months go by, they keep the dog. Like the next semester, the coach lets the kid try out for the team. Kid makes the team. Everything's happy so far, right? <laughs> the kid gets bullied by other members of the team. And like, so one day during a game, somehow... Buddy escapes from a yard and like somehow ends up at the basketball game and like runs onto the court and like nothing crazy happens but like he makes a bucket but like it's just a dog running somehow made it from the kid's house all the way into the gymnasium that's fine so after the game so like they're all hanging around and like off in a corner of the gymnasium the coach is being super mean to a player he's like throwing basketballs at him He's literally like chucking basketballs at the player. What, what did the player do to deserve this? Like that's apparently his handles weren't good enough or something. He kept like dropping <laughs> balls. No, I'm serious. This is this is legitimate. <laughs> he dropped the ball. So like Buddy the dog somehow like barks and like leads school like administrators to see this happening. <laughs> so they fire the coach obviously, and they let some other random school faculty member lead the team. Anyways. Buddy starts hanging around more. He starts performing during halftime at all the games. Like, you know, he'll make baskets and stuff. And, like, the, the old drunk clown, remember him? So, like, he sees Buddy on TV. because like, oh, this crazy dog's doing halftime tricks. And so he's like, well, I can cash in on this. It's my dog, you know. He has this newfound notoriety. So, like, he comes and he, he, he has the papers to claim, hey, this is my dog. I want him back. So there's a big, like, custody battle. And like so, eventually, at first, he gets the dog back. Right? He gets his dog back, but the kid, you know, eventually like breaks into the guy's house, his yard, and like steals Buddy. So he's stealing Buddy, and like the drunk guy sees this, and he starts chasing them down in his truck, and then he somehow crashes into a lake. This all sounds very bizarre for a kid's movie, doesn't it? Okay, all right, because so, so let me get this straight: <laughs> alcoholic clown. Yeah. He, he's he's dealing with addiction problems going on, and, yep. and so he uh, goes and gets his dog back. Yep. And rather than somebody finding addiction recovery assistance for this man or helping him, uh, they decide to help his progress by stealing his dog from him, <laughs> ultimately resulting in him driving into a lake. Yes. So, and then the kid just like goes into the forest, and he wants to set Buddy free. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want anyone to deal with it. And he wants to, hey go find a new home. Okay, so you think it's fine. So, lo and behold, that basketball team makes it to their championship game. But, like, they're getting their butts kicked. And, like, magically, Airbud shows up, like, around halftime of the game. And, like, he goes onto the court and makes a basket. And then, like, somehow, it gets really bizarre. So, like, somehow, he gets into the lineup. But, like, there's a... 
they start looking at it and like they're like, oh, well, there's no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. <laughs> so like they let Airbud play the rest of the game, and then they win the championship. And is this this is a high school? Like, no, 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 this is like middle school. It's like fifth, sixth graders. See, I, I I guess the first question would be is how, how is a dog getting there? Because I'm assuming there's some kind of like requirements that the members of medical middle school team are registered students of that middle school. Yeah, but apparently, again, there was apparently they found that there was no rule saying dogs couldn't play, so they let them play. <laughs> the story ends with a judge and like they're trying to find custody. Does the crazy clown guy get him, or does the kid get him? So the the clown survived driving into a lake. Yes, yes, he shows up at the end. So the. The story ends with, let's say you're the clown and, and I am the kid. They put Airbud in the middle and they go, here, Airbud, you go to whoever you want to be with. And it's like a crazy back and forth where like he kind of crawls to the old owner and like, and then he crawls back. He ends up with the kid. But it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's all ridiculous. And the reason this movie makes it on is because it also spun off all the other Airbud movies. Okay. <laughs> then he starts playing baseball, which is more ridiculous, but I'm not going to get into that. There's like multiple animals that show up in the other movies. I've seen him play football. There's a volleyball one. The, it's the it's all go. it's crazy, but this one spawned it all. I'm sorry, that was kind of long, like long winded. You should watch it. Why would I want to watch it? Is all right. So so all right. Side note then. Uh, question for you: What do you think this got in Rotten Tomatoes? We're gonna we're gonna bring back the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Did you look it up already? I've got it. I've got it for you. Thirty four percent. It is forty five percent. Okay, that, you know it's not yeah. too far. Again, the other ones, I promise you're gonna be a lot lower. But yeah. All right, all right. Well, what do you think Fever Pitch got? 60%. 65%. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, and then uh, Karate Kid from the best list. 84. 89%. Oh, so. see, I'm, I'm, I'm close. Yeah, we're, okay. We're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's but, all I got to uh, say. But yeah, no, uh, it doesn't sound like a very great movie to watch from the way you describe it. It seems kind of ridiculous. I'm still confused, like... I've seen the covers of these various movies before, you know, like Targets or something like that, where they're, like, on sale at the front of the store. But, like, I've never quite understood exactly how the dog is dribbling and shooting a basketball. Like, that That, that kind of confuses me a bit. Um, I'm very intrigued to see the solution. Now, now the first movie, it, it's more subdued. It's more like alley-oops, and he just hits it with, like, his, 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 his snout. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's more it's more subdued. It gets wackier in the subsequent films. Anyway, just go on to your list. I don't want to talk about the dog okay. anymore. So so uh, number four, um, obviously, like I said, there's not going to be any repeat of these exports. There's not going to be any more karate movies on here. So I don't know if you're expecting like a three ninjas or something. I guess that's probably not even a sports movie. But uh, would, would Mortal Kombat be a sports movie? Huh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyways, it's, that's <laughs> not on your list. <laughs> All right, yeah, Mortal Kombat is out. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, but number four, I have Moneyball from 2011. Ooh. This is the one where uh, Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, the general manager uh, of the Oakland Athletics baseball team. And really what this story is about is kind of the start of the analytics movement in, in baseball. Um, yeah. And, and so ultimately what happens is... You know, Brad Pitt's character, Billy Bean, uh, discovers, hey, you know, there's this guy uh, from this other organization that is very astute and has kind of been able to put together mathematical formulas to better calculate, you know, a player's value to, you know, building a winning team, that, that kind of stuff. And so it's this whole revolutionary thought concept and he says, you know, I need this guy. I'm bringing him in. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling him over to, to our team, essentially. And so it, can, it gets into this whole, like, conflict within the team where he's wanting to integrate all of, you know, this data into their decision-making. Um, but he's met with resistance with his scouts, with his coaching, that basically insist, oh, you know, that's not how things work. You know, we're all very, you know intent on watching what's happening on the field and basically making decisions over what our eyes can see as opposed to using all of these data approaches, if you will. And so it becomes like this kind of like ideological debate where, oh, what 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 means more? Do we should we follow what our eyes are telling us or should we follow what the these analytical details are saying? 
and well, maybe it, like it becomes this huge conflict. But throughout the movie, he's able to start implementing these types of decision-making attributes within the team, and you see how it has success. And then ultimately, this story ha- has kind of concluded into now what baseball is today, where there's a lot more integration levels of data analytics to varying extents to where I think really, you know, the, the thought process now is there's some kind of combination between, you know, the eye test and what the stats are saying and what, what all those numbers put together mean. And I think teams today are still figuring out what the right balance is, but really what this is, is doesn't it kind of make you think of when you're in a workplace and everybody's set in their old ways and nobody wants to hear new ideas and, you know, you put something out there and they just kind of shoot you down and, you know, make you feel bad. And Now, and now hold on here. So this must re- this movie must have really excited you. Is this what led you to accounting? It, it is It is not. Oh, it is <laughs> not. This was not the catalyst. No. Okay. No. But you love baseball and you love numbers. I'm just yeah. saying. You know, it this, seems this, like the perfect movie for Nathan. But, but yeah, so ultimately what it is, it, 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 kind of like we discussed, it, is just revolutionizing the thought process of baseball. And, and there's some comedy mixed in and, and some other elements and they go into Billy Bean's personal life a bit and kind of, kind of what was going on there and, and his background. So there's some cool background stuff involved mm-hmm. in, in the movie as well. So it's, it's not just surface level with the whole analytics discussion, but yeah, the reason I made out here is it's something different. It's something that was pretty new for sports movies and it's pretty new within the past, you know, couple decades is, you know, advanced mathematics in, in sports and what role they should play and how much they should contribute. Or if, you know, like I said, some people don't want to heed that at all. They just don't think it's how you should manage. But I think it introduces a lot of interesting concepts to the sports world. It's very influential and it's being done pretty much in all sports today. Mm-hmm. You know, in Houston, the Rockets were you know like infamous for it for a while. Uh, again, it's been used by pretty much everyone in baseball nowadays. Football, I think it's probably a little different, but baseball and, yeah, and basketball. It's, it's hard to measure in, in football with certain types of analytics. But yeah, like with basketball, I mean, there's a huge analytics movement. Yeah, with the Rockets, I mean, I mean, a lot of the the logic tells you you should either be shooting three pointers or basically dunking, laying up, pretty much either taking a very short two pointer. Yeah. Or, you know, going for a three-point attempt would be, you know, as far as your highest possible point values throughout the game. Um, so there, there's all kinds of analytics that are happening. Uh, but, yeah, it works really well for baseball and basketball to, to give some additional, you know, points of thought. Uh, but, but, yeah, football, it's definitely much harder to put yeah. together. But they, they have different types of analysts going on with football, too. Like, you know, like speeds and, like, catch percentages and different types of measurements that ultimately could lead to some weird analytics movements in football, but it's going to look, I think, super different than the way it's applied in, like, baseball and basketball types. There's a lot of moving parts in football. Yeah, you have to have some really weird, I guess, yeah, variables that you have to consider. It's it's much harder, for sure. Okay, yeah, Yeah, you know what? You forgot it's the best point. It has Brad Pitt. (laughs) I mean, yeah, just that uh, elevates I mean, and then, uh, yeah, so uh, the the person that he's pulling over, uh, Peter Brand, it, it Jonah Hill play, plays the, the the math whiz that, that's essentially done this. Um, and then uh, the coach of the team, Art Howe, is played by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. So you have some, some good actors involved. Uh, Chris Pratt is one of the players as well, if that does anything for you. Um, but, but, yeah, no, I think it's a good casting. Uh, it's well acted throughout. Um, I think it's a little bit dramatized from the actual events, but I mean, that that's true for most of these movies that are based on true events. Um, but, but yeah, do you want to guess at the Rotten Tomatoes on this one? 92. Eight. Actually, 94%. Oh, see, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm pretty close with these. Okay, so far. Fantastic movie. So, now, to totally flip the script here, number three on the worst list, it's a movie you may not have seen. I reluctantly saw this. Um, from 2002, Joanna Mann. No, nope. Are you familiar with this at all? It's the the guy who becomes a female basketball Ye- player. Yes, that that's basically the most I know Wh- of this. When movie. does someone masquerading as the other gender ever work in a film? You know what I mean? Like, uh, does it ever I've really got, work? I've got one example. Oh, go, Mrs. Doubtfire. No. 
Mrs. Doubtfire I, is I a great movie. Okay, fine. Anyways, this was not. So essentially, th- this guy was a hothead basketball player. He essentially gets... He loses his privileges of playing in the, the fake NBA when he, like... He strips in the middle of a game. Okay, okay, okay. Two, 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 two <laughs> questions. Okay. Wait, one. What is the fake NBA? They like they changed the acronym. It's essentially the same thing. Oh, so it's the same. It's, it's supposed to be the NBA. They just didn't want to deal with all the licensing. Like, uh, so it, the, it's he's, he's a top tier basketball. Correct. Player. So like instead of the Charlotte Hornets, they were the Charlotte Charlotte Heat. I forgot the actual name. It, to swap it, out names. Yeah. From like actual. instead of like the WNBA, it was like the WUBA or something. No, it's the same thing. It's meant to be the same thing. Okay, two, two. Why is he stripping in the middle of a professional basketball? Because imagine like Dennis Rodman. He was just a hot, he was just a crazy person. He, he he got like a technical foul or something, or he got kicked out of a game. It was one of the two. He got reprimanded for something, so he decides to strip. So again, he gets banned from men's basketball. So like everyone leaves him. His wife in the movie is Little Kim. Remember Little Kim? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, everyone leaves him. So all he has is this aunt who doesn't put up with his his BS, but like somehow he convinces her that it would be a good idea to go into the fake WNBA to make a living. So like he gets onto Charlotte's women's team and like he it's just antics, right? Like he he starts to learn to be a better team player. He starts to play team ball. At the same time, Genuine is also in the movie. He's a famous rapper. And like one of uh, Joanna Mann's teammates in the movie is Vivica A. Fox. And, uh-huh. you know, she's very attractive. So, like, he, he starts to fall for her, but obviously that would blow his cover. So he doesn't really let that happen. Vivica A. Fox is dating Genuine. Genuine's right-hand man is trying to trying to date Joanna. It ends up being a whole mess. Essentially, it culminates. Like, they're in a, they're in a playoff game, I believe. And, um... He hears back from the men's league, like, hey, you can have this hearing to come back, potentially. But the hearing happens to be on the, the first day of the playoffs. So he's like, ooh, do I do I abandon my team, or do I go back and get in the men's league? He makes the better choice. You know, he sticks with the women's team. But his cover gets blown, because he makes a dunk, it shatters the backboard, and he loses his wig. So, like, oh my god, you know, it's a, it's a big scandal now. So... The movie ends essentially with he goes to his hearing after all, but they're like, no, you did this whole scandal. You played in the women's league. But then all the women's players end up coming to his rescue and going, oh, no, he's a great guy. He's a changed person. Let him back in. So let him back in. It's an awful movie. That's really weird, too. I guess one with the very ending, too. I mean, yeah, if you consider somebody defrauded another organization in the basketball world that that could be pretty crazy. But and they weren't just, kicked out of the playoffs. They were allowed to keep going, and they eventually won the championship. Because also, too, with this women's league, I mean, you would think that when you're getting new players into the league that there would be a vetting process where you're getting proper documentation. Now, I did miss I, I did miss a point here. So at some point in the movie, there was like a team, like a drug test or something, or a physical. No, it was a physical. Uh-huh. And he, he got out of it at the last second by dressing up as the mascot. He pretended to be the mascot. Well, it's like even just like when you're getting employed, like is there no verification of identity, and what are those steps to where they just missed completely that this person does not exist? Because I mean, he changed names and everything, right, to to fit into the this. Now, now, to be fair, this is 2021. Maybe it is easier. I, I don't know. <laughs> now, in 2002 it was a different time. Yeah, the vetting process should have been better. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's it's very odd in in many ways, but but yeah, you know, I. I the main character is not likable. The story is so cookie cutter, and like you know where it's going, and it, it just—it's not—he's he, not very endearing. The whole situation is just crazy. It's a bad movie. Yeah, because I guess like with the character development, um, it, it sounds like towards the end he might become a little bit more. He's conscious. less selfish, yeah. and he, he's a better team player. And again, not as outlandish at the end. But still, yeah, I, that, that's a, this sounds like a very odd movie. Maybe one day I'll watch it just so I can. No, no, this one you like, don't. Airbud, you do. This one you do not need to watch. All right, what percentage do you think this got? Ten. Yep. Oh, really? <laughs> like ten on the number? Ten. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like this is it's not it's not good. <laughs> I wish Roger Bayes had like a partial percentage. See if we could narrow it down. Okay. There, but yeah, no, ten percent. Okay. But okay, so now. Uh, 
sticking with the basketball theme, actually, yeah. I have a basketball movie. It's on here. At number two, it's Hoop Dreams. And this one it is very unique on this list in that it's not a movie, per se, as as much as it is a documentary. Because um, so, I think that's, that's unique to, to anything I, I have on this list. Um, I also just... Let, let, let's see. So... This came out in 1994, and this was originally supposed to be a 30-minute short feature. Okay. And ultimately expanded into, I mean, like five years of following these two players who were playing high school basketball in Chicago, and kind of just following their progression. And some of the background factors that are going on is they they are two African-American players from a very poor area who are commuting to a predominantly white school um, where, you know, they're learning to play basketball with, with, with them and, you know, they have a great coach. And ultimately, they're trying to make life work in, in multiple aspects to where they are trying to improve basketball-wise. But also, you know, you learn about the people involved and you're able to relate and kind of understand. And the focus of this movie, too, is, is unique in that it's not necessarily you know, like with some of the, the past movies discussed, like The Karate Kid, where there's like some, you know, showdown at the end of the movie kind of deal, um, where there's really some kind of, you know, clear obstacle. I mean, for them, you know, the ultimate goal would be to play in the NBA and be able to, you know, make it up that ladder and, and be able to get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really, the soul of the movie is more on, you know, getting to know them, seeing struggles and, and celebrating what you're able to do, um, that, that, those kinds of things. And so it, it makes the movie a little bit more significant from that aspect. Um, and like I said, this is unique because it's documentary. I mean, I mean, you're actually just following real people as opposed to having, you know, actors portraying certain people in there. But th- this is one of the most, I guess, critically renowned sports movies that's out there. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's kind of the background on this one. Um, it's not going to be as much of, you know, like a comedy as some sports movies or other things like this is a little bit more serious in, in nature when, when you think about it, but it, it's more moving than I guess a lot of sports movies could, could claim to be. Um, hmm. and, and like I said, you know, sometimes people, you have some, you know, variation of the phrase that real life tells the best stories. And I, think this is possibly one of those cases here. Um, but, but yeah, I guess what are your general thoughts? I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like I need to see it. I'm totally down for more like actual like documentary style, like gritty, real world. Not like I. It, yep. it sounds like a very humbling tale. And I, do you know where it's available to watch on? Ooh, that is actually a good question. Let me let me see if there's yeah, something to watch it on right now. Yeah, because I actually don't have a lot to say about this, but I would like to dive into it. The uh, most interesting thing I, I will say uh, about, you know, this list right now is that I totally skipped over my number three to get here, which is my number two, because I forgot that you went first. Oh, oh, Wait, that was number two. Yeah, we have made a list faux pas here. I mean, <laughs> you made it. I, this. Oh, God, that was number two. Okay. Th- this is the worst error we've ever had on our broadcast. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> I, I could go back and editing and fix it, but we're not going to do that. We keep it 100 here. We, we're going to live with our mistakes because that, that's how we roll. Oh, we got to make a rewind, rewind noise. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. So, so now we have two options here. Either we go to your number two on the worst list or I can backtrack now, to number no, three. Go the- backtrack. What's your number three? Okay. What's so, slightly better than Moneyball? Okay. So, so number three on the best list here is, is Brian's song. And so this is a football movie. And this focuses on uh, the Chicago Bears back in the day, um, 1960s. It's uh, two players of the focus of the movie, Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo, who are played by Billy D. Williams and, and James Conn, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this movie, similar to Hoop Dreams, it's a little bit different um, in, in that it has a different focus of the movie in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and this one is a, is a true story. But, uh, once again, this one's not a documentary. That's what, I mean, really makes the Hoop Dreams unique on the list. But with this, it kind of focuses on the relationship between these two players who end up rooming together on the Bears. 
Um, this happened during, you know, the mid 1960s. So we're talking about like, you know, civil rights movement, things like that. So there's a lot of, you know, racial tensions that exist in our society, what have you. But, you know, these two players end up growing to bond with each other and they develop a relationship. Um, and as the movie progresses, you know, Gale Sears is kind of, you know, the star running back of the team. Uh, he, he, uh, gets hurt at one point and, you know, Brian Piccolo needs to, to pick up the slack, uh, and fill him, fill in for his role. But during his injury recovery, you know, Brian Piccolo is there to support, you know, Gale Sayers and kind of is there as, as a friend and, you know, source of motivation. And it, it really kind of goes the extra mile to kind of help him. And then, you know, as we progress, they end up starting to play together because, uh, they were both at running back, uh, but, you know, Brian Piccolo ends up playing fullback uh, for, for the team, so they end up starting to become teammates. And then the rest of the movie, I will not spoil, um, but, you know, it, there's more events that happen within the movie. This is one where I'll try to avoid the spoiler uh, category, uh, but it's a very moving movie. It's a very touching movie, and when you see all of it, you'll understand, you know, why it's so impactful in many ways, and that, that's how it ended up as of the many football movies, the reason I chose this one specifically, um, but I mentioned it, it was made in 1971. Uh, so th th this wasn't actually long after the, the actual events that took place. Um, so I I'm wondering if watching it back then would have more impact too. Cause I mean, these, these, for example, Gale Sayers is right in the spotlight, um, you know, within recent sports history, but, but yeah, that, that's, that's on this one. Um, so yeah, now we've gone back to number three. So not quite as high as hoop dreams, but but yeah, we know that that's that's where we stand. You know, I've seen this movie twice. Mm -hmm. it, it is a fantastic movie. I have seen this one, unlike hoop dreams. Um, it it it's like the ultimate story of like being adaptable and becoming a great teammate and yeah. being selfless. Um, I I don't know, man. It's just. I want to find something like smart Alec to say about it. I really can't. Yeah. I'm really sure. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's a good movie. I'm trying to find something funny to say about it, but it's, it's, it's just a, yeah. I think it goes with saying to, I mean, yeah, once again, the focus of the movie is really on, on the players, not yeah. as much, you know, the typical sports movie. Oh, you know, but let's focus on, you know, how well the bears are doing yeah. standings wise or in play. It's not, that's not as, as much of the focus in the movie. It's like, more about, yeah, it's, it, it's it's almost like sports is part of the the nature of the movie inherently, but it, it's not necessarily the primary focus of the movie. It, it's yeah, you know, it, it's kind of like the vehicle almost for the relationship of the two players, not necessarily you know right in your face all the time as with most sports movies. No, good job. But yeah, um, so I guess I guess with these two movies, uh, if you want to guess at the Rotten Tomatoes, so I guess we can do Brian Song first since that was number three. 83. 92%. Oh, and then Hoop wow. Dreams, if you'd like to guess. 87. 98%. 98? I'm wondering, too, like, with the Hoop Dreams, like, with other documentaries that have been, like, critically well-received. Yeah. Like, where this ranks among those? Because I'm wondering, in some of the famous documentaries out there, I'm wondering, you know, I guess from a Rotten Tomatoes score, how high those those end up. Um, but, yeah, the, the, so those are those. So, I guess now I'm flipping back to you for... Uh, Continue okay. our order. So number two on the worst list, Rocky Five. Okay, so hearing the number five should scare you in most anything, because once you get to that, either the trope is worn out, or they've just run out of fresh ideas. Which is both statements are true in this case. Okay, so this movie, uh, Rocky Four. Some people it was very divisive. Rocky Four. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. I actually loved it. I love the whole USA versus Russia. I love Ivan Drago. Uh, anyways, this movie picks up right after that. So, like, Rocky's having all kinds of, like, physical issues. And, like, he has to essentially retire from boxing because of it. But, you know, Polly, Polly's a big dummy. So, like, he had at some point signed, like, a power of an attorney to, like, Rocky's accountant. And Rocky's accountant went rogue and, like, sold all of his, his assets and, like, didn't pay his taxes. And he pretty much screwed him over. So so Rocky's broke now. Yeah. And, like, oh, Rocky, you can fix this with some fights. But some doctor's like, you cannot fight anymore. So Rocky's all sad. 
and he goes to like his old trainer Mickey's like rundown gym, and dude, it's it's just like in disrepair. It's just like in disarray. But like he gets inspired. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna become a trainer now. So like he reopens the gym, and he starts training this this up and comer. I think his name is Tommy Gunn. But <laughs> he, he, Tommy wants to fight for the the vacant heavyweight championship. Um, but again, Rocky's like bringing him up slow and steady. And then like this like um, what's the famous boxing promoter? Oh, which which one? Is something it? King. Rodney King? Rodney King, yeah. Rod- Some Rodney King-esque person, like, enters and, and gets into Rocky's trainee's mind about how, hey, the path to, to the championship is through me. What? It's Don King. Don oh, Don King! <laughs> That's right. We're stupid. We are really just, dumb. Just move on. <laughs> Anyways, so the Don King-esque person is like, hey, the road to the championship is through me and not through Rocky. So he gets in his head enough where, where the trainee leaves Rocky... Rocky gets all sad. In the midst of this, Rocky's son has been, like, bullied at school and, like, had a really strained relationship with his father. So, like, Rocky, like, finally gets to pay his son some attention after his trainee leaves him. So they mend that relationship. That guy ends up going to win the heavyweight championship. So he wins it. He's on top of the world. But, like, the crowd rejects it. The crowd's like, oh, you left Rocky and you're not the real champion. You didn't beat Rocky for it. And obviously this, like, you know, enrages those people. So, like, they take a bunch of TV media into a bar and they confront Rocky to try to, like, goad him into a championship match. Mm-hmm. And Rocky's like, no, man, I'm retired. And then they keep calling him, like, a punk. Yeah, they make fun of him. Like, Polly stands up for him. Polly gets knocked to the ground. And <laughs> the movie culminates with Rocky challenging the guy to a street fight. So, not even a boxing match. Rocky challenges him to a street fight. So, like, they go out into the street. And, like, Rocky's getting beat up for a while. But then, like, this magical image of, like, Mickey telling him, Don't quit, Rocky. Get back into the fight. So, like, that appears. So, like, he catches his second wind. And he ends up winning the street fight. And that's essentially it. That's the movie. <laughs> One, it's not satisfying because it's a street fight. Two, the Don King-esque person is just a sleazeball and doesn't really get his comeuppance in, in the way that he should. Paul is an idiot, and that doesn't really get rectified at all. It just, it didn't need to be made. It sounds like they were out of any idea at all, and they're like, hey, let's mix it up and not end with a boxing match, even though it probably should have ended with a boxing match. So, I think the best way to keep going with your theme on the sequels is I, I think this uh, switch in our, our list order has has helped a bit because um, what I'm just going to do right now is, is introduce my number one Whoa. best sports movie Whoa. do it which is Rocky 1 Rocky 1? The, the first Rocky from 1976 um, and, and so kind of contrasting a bit uh, in, in Rocky 1 uh, the story I mean basically you have Apollo Creed, who is, you know, the most, you know, awesome boxer out there. He uh, knows he's the, the best in that there is, and, and, and he's going out, and he's going to have a fight in, in the Philly area. Um, but the guy he's supposed to fight ends up getting knocked out, so that, that's where Rocky comes into the picture, being this uh, kind of more everyman kind of dude who's not, you know, a known professional boxer, if you will. And ultimately... Gets chosen on on short notice with I believe five weeks to basically train to fight the best fighter in the world or the best boxer in the world, and so it's kind of like the stereotypical sports movie against all odds type of deal where you know you're training for this you you know you have to go and so he's got these like super odd you know training regimens I mean that are basically memes today of him punching meat. Uh, hey man, those, those are memorable. Steps, yeah, do, doing all these kinds of things of like, you know, pretty much all the generic montage type stuff you'd expect in a sports movie. Um, and so yeah, he's got got Mickey uh, uh, training him, uh, and so really it's this whole lead up to to see you know, can Rocky you know beat all odds? Can he you know 
get good enough to in order to stand in the ring with with Apollo Creed and and, and fight him. Uh, and so really the whole movie's leading up to that. Um, I mean, he, he falls in love along the way in, in this. Um, but really the, the huge climax in the movie is when the fight finally happens. And, you know, kind of as you go in, you, you learn it's more than just, you know, who, who wins or loses. It's the, the struggle to keep fighting and to, to kind of carry on and all the pretty much any generic sports metaphor you can think of of pushing through and you know kind of refusing to quit essentially because yeah it's i mean the ones probably say it is a very brutal fight that that goes on quite long but both fighters are just you know kind of giving it to each other if you will uh do you have any uh initial reactions so this one is a lot it has a lot more grit to it like it's you know it, it's a better underdog story it's hadn't been been told before and in 1976 this was probably still really fresh you know mm-hmm. um his training regimen again is like meme worthy it's still replayed a lot the soundtrack is fantastic um he, he overcomes all the odds it's it's endearing and in this movie Stallone is still like relatable it's still like an everyman kind of tale yeah um and it just it permeates through time it's still a great movie today. Especially to, I mean, yeah, you think about, I mean, the fact that they tried to drag this out to more films. That, that in, in this case, it's one of the piece of evidence that speaks to the impact that it had when it first came out. Uh, I, I believe this also won Best Picture when it came out. So it actually has yeah. an Oscar. I think it's the only one on my list that 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 had, you know, that level of, uh, of uh, you know, recognition as far as as pictures go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, say it's kind of, it hits all of the things that you'd expect in a sports movie. I mean, it's sports based. It's, you know, you see that development throughout happen throughout. You got the underdog score going. It's pretty much all the pieces that you could think of. And, uh, you know, I think, I think when you get to the end of the movie, some of the themes that go through it teaches you that, you know, life is, more than just the surface level things like you know it it's more about you know pushing yourself and it's about heart and effort it's not all about skill yeah it's it's about the journey to go where you are it's not necessarily about you know what it is and also teaches certain things about uh overconfidence i guess because obviously the fight turns out to be more competitive than than you know Apollo Creed could have ever imagined, you know, because I mean, they're, they're slugging it out up there. So, I mean, there, there's all kinds of lessons to be taken from it, but it hits all like, you know, the generic tropes from any sports movie ever, but it does it very effectively at the same time. Yeah. Rocky's a very likable, likable character. Okay. So on to the worst sports movie of all time. D3, The Mighty Ducks. Okay. <laughs> I I wanted to include something else. I I couldn't overlook this travesty, though. Okay, so... So Rocky V and D3 are the two sequels you cannot stay with. I I can't look past them. Okay, it lost everything magical about the first two. So one, they're older. So it gets hard when your focus was a kid's movie, and they become into that weird teenager phase. So, essentially, and they lose their head coach. (laughs) Emilio Estevez isn't there. Well, he's in the movie occasionally, but like he's not the main, the main you know mentor of the of the film. Essentially, the guys like all the, all the ducks won like a a scholarship to this weird like fancy private academy to play on like their JV squad, and essentially they just don't fit in. They're having all kinds of trouble acclimating, and they don't they don't like the new coach. The coach is too much mm-hmm. of, of a hard butt coach. He, he's just. They, they don't want to play, like, two-way hockey. They're used to having all kinds of weird formations and messing around on the ice. One, the coach is not likable at all. He's not really endearing. They try to pull it back later, and like, explaining his backstory. Like, he's a former NHL coach, mm-hmm. but, like, he, he left his team because his daughter was a paraplegic, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It's like, but, like, he's still not an endearing character, even after they explain it. He's just a jerk. And then, like, they have to, like, shoehorn Emilio Estevez in there, like, when it's absolutely necessary. 
So, like, the old, like, one of the old trainers, like, Hans, if you remember him from the first movies, like, he dies in this movie. It's like Emilio Estevez is at the funeral trying to, like, you know, mentor Charlie. Hey, Charlie, don't, you know, come back to the team. Don't, don't, you should really like this new coach. You know, he really, he knows what he's talking about. It just seems very forced. And then, like, the whole thing is, like, it's it's not even them against, like, other squads, really. It's just, like, them as the JV squad versus the varsity team. So, like, the stakes aren't even very high to begin with. And, essentially, it just ends with, like, the coach going, okay, well, I guess I better let them be who they are. So, like, <laughs> he lets them be the Ducks instead. I forgot what they were, the Wildcats? Or, I forgot I what their mascot I just, was. I just remember them coming back as the Ducks. Yeah, place. they were some red and white team. I can't remember exactly what their mascot was. But, like, it's just, it, it's weird. It's just, and then they try to do, like, teen teenage romance, which a lot of movies don't do very well. It, it just, it, it's, it's very unwanted. It's, it's unneeded. Um... I don't know, man. I don't, I don't have too much to say I, I about it. Kind of, kind of a side topic uh, to your thing is, uh, I think with a lot of sports movies and, and, and just a lot of movies in general, um, like you're talking about the the backstory, kind of showing, you know, why someone's a jerk or something. Uh, a lot of times, I feel like movies handle that not very well because it's basically, oh, you know, life was hard for them, so that's why they're this way. But when you think about it, too, they actively choose to create you know, misery in other people's lives yeah, because see, of their own. So you know, maybe for... It, it, you know, you're trying to make redemption kind of thing for this person, but really when you think about it, it's like, oh, you know, they, they've had some bad experiences, so they force everybody else to have bad experiences at all when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, maybe it's fine when you're when you're a kid, but, like, when you're an adult, you're like, no, everyone has crappy things in their life. You just don't be a jerk. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. Because, like, yeah, if you, if you want, like, a true redemption thing, it would be like, oh, you know, this person... You know, gives out kindness despite, you know, the, you know, bad things that have happened to them or, or something more to that effect. Yeah. I, I would say. Okay. But, but yeah, I, I think I, I won't disagree that it's not a good movie. Um, I, I think it's the nostalgia that being a kid watching this is, is why I, I liked it growing up. I have not rewatched this one in a long time, so I can't. I can't say what it looks like in the... Fun uh, enough, I actually did rewatch it for this podcast. Get on Disney Plus it's and terrible. watch it. It's not good. <sighs> See, I'm not I'm not movie Disney. Disney, I think they have a show coming out on the, the Mighty Ducks yeah, team, right? I think kind so. Kind of like a Cobra Kai-esque type deal. So all, all these shows are coming out based on these old movies. So I think they're, they're really They're, they're to playing to our nostalgia. They, they are really. It works. Cobra Kai is fantastic. No, it's a fantastic show. Right? If you've not watched Cobra Kai, you have like, to watch if, Cobra if Kai. If the Mighty Ducks show is anything... Quality wise, compared to that, I, I would say. I mean, but it seems like it's like it's harder with younger guess, actors too, if that's what they're doing. So, if I had to guess, I, I think that this Mighty Ducks reboot is based off of the success of Cobra Kai to some extent, because I mean how well that's been going. But, but yeah, no, I, I, I could disagree. It's a bad movie <laughs> for the reasons you mentioned. I'm sure there's more you could pick apart with it too. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not well done in many ways. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. that's. Um, Nathan, any honorable or dishonorable mentions? A whole lot, actually, but I, don't, I think we, we can go on for days about this. I'll just name a couple then. Okay, um, one is the movie uh, Miracle. So I didn't have a hockey movie for best either, or worst. Best. Okay, because okay, I was, so that's based off you know the the USA Olympic team that had no business. You know, we are very xenophobic here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's so basically yeah. So uh, you know. There's, there's Miracles, one of the movies on there. Another one that I had on there that I toyed with putting in is the movie Dodgeball. Dude, you so should, totally should have put in Dodgeball. That would have been super uh, controversial because, yeah, obviously it's not like a... Uh, no, it's a sports movie. It's movie. a sports movie. It's a sports movie, but, you know, it has all the things like, you know, it's an underdog story, you know, the characters are relatable. Yeah. Everything you could ever want. It makes you laugh the whole time. So if you put, like, a fun element into the criteria... I think you could make an argument for this making the list, right? Like, no, dude, it's it's not something I would have thought about at first, but you're absolutely correct. It's it's, it's absolutely it's, it's it's very diverse. There's a pirate in the movie, um, but yeah, there, there's a lot going on there. But uh, the other one I was gonna mention is the one that's possibly my favorite sports movie that I left out of this list. You just want to make a wild guess as to what it was for you? Think childhood. Remember the Titans? 
No, because that's not a bad guess, though. Because that's my favorite sports movie of all time. You should have included it on your list. No, I, yeah, no. So what I, I did, uh, well, once again, with the football, uh, Remember the Titans, I think, was... Th- that was my second football movie to, to Brian's song. Like, if I didn't put Brian's song, that would have been what got on there. Because uh, that one speaks to me. Uh, but it's The Sandlot. If the that's Sandlot all my... Yeah, that's, as, okay. If that counts as a sports movie... Um, which I it does. It absolutely does. does. Cause yeah. Because, I mean... I yeah. Mean, Baseball's prevalent throughout it, but uh, I mean that—that that is a fantastic movie. I, I would, you know, if this—if I did the list based off just my personal preferences and, and stuff, I would definitely have this at number one, and I'd be super biased. But yeah, uh, no, the Sandlot is is absolutely great. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's you know you learn a lot about fitting in, and you know learning to accept each other and. Overcoming the adversity of losing your baseball—that's um, true. But but yeah, no, I, I think that's those are some ones I had the best list. But if there's any ones you're super upset about, besides remember the Titans, I guess let me know. Uh, yeah, real quick, there's a few. So remember the Titans was the number one. Um, I loved Coach Carter. Did you ever watch Coach Carter? I've seen bits of it. I've never seen that. One Dude, all the way you through, should. Actually. Samuel L. Jackson as a coach. Basketball coach. So yeah, like, what else do you want? I didn't get much into Coach Carr because I knew on the basketball side, Hoop Dreams is just going to kind of you know take it like it just kind of unanimously. So maybe I didn't give Coach Carter enough of a chance, but yeah, maybe I'll watch it and see if I if I have a difference there. Yeah, but, like watch all the through. Uh, on the funny side, Happy Gilmore loved Happy Gilmore. Fun time. Yeah, you know, I was thinking too. Yeah, Happy Gilmore, or like Caddyshack, or some something like that, kind of like on the same vein as Dodgeball. It, you know, those debatably could make it uh, on their yeah. own merit, depending on how exactly you set up the criteria. Three other random ones, real quick: Friday Night Lights. Yeah, that was a fantastic movie. And then I'm getting a little weirder. The movie called The Rookie. Mm-hmm. You remember The Rookie with Dennis Quaid? I think it's endearing. I think a lot of times we don't focus on the older athletes. Trying mm-hmm. to get in. You know, I, again, I thought it was a great movie. Older pitcher trying to make it, like, to the league. Eventually makes it in as a reliever. Fantastic movie. Last one I'm going to throw out with is a weird one. Little Giants. Oh. Have you never seen Little Giants? I've, I've seen part of it. I've seen... Actually, Do, no, I've seen... I would say I've seen... <laughs> you have Disney+. Plus. You need to watch it again. I would say I've seen most of it, actually. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. That was the one... Well, because, like, I mean, especially, like, with a lot of, like, the... The kids' movies type stuff, like I kind of resorted. I was only have one in there. Yeah. That's where I ended up with Karate Kid because I guess all the whole like you know Mr. Miyagi you know lessons and things like that. Like there, there's nothing quite like that in some of the other kids' movies. Like even The Sandlot doesn't necessarily have something as you know. But dude, look, Rick Moranis, Ed O'Neill. What else? Do you, you don't need anything. Okay, you don't fair. need to say anything else. I would say yeah. The rookie, they carry it. The rookie is great. Um, like I said, Moneyball. I chose that one just because how unique it is from the, mm-hmm. the standpoint where, you know, it's it's more based on, like, you know, challenging old ways of thinking and what have you. That It, it had so much of a unique element. That's why I put it in there. But I do love The Rookie. Yeah. Because um, especially, too, you have, like, the relationship with him and his high school students and, you know, his journey and, you know, kind of coming to terms with, you know, where he's at in his life but what he's still capable of doing. There's a whole, like, interesting... Yeah. You know, I guess, yeah, I don't really know the best way to put it. I mean, it's very compelling, I'd say. And like I said, I could go on for days, but I'm going to cut it there. Anything on the worst list? <laughs> the only one that I had, okay. if you call it a sports movie, The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville. If that if that goes in, because, I mean, he's basically... Yeah. What is it if people didn't, haven't he, heard of it? He, he wants to be in the Special Olympics, is yep. more or less, and so he... Uh, Pretends to be disabled, and I, I think for that alone, that that would kind of put it number one for me, and just on the worst list. That's really the only one I feel okay. strongly about. Um, I mean, coming to this, I, I'm just thinking all the the random Airbud movies were kind of in my mind. I guess you already kind of cover you you nip that in the bud a bit by by literally challenging like because it's the it's spawned it. So yes, it, it, it it's that's um, yeah. I don't know. So I, I mean. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I have in mind, but really, all the weird spin-off Airbud movies came to mind, and then yeah, The Ringer, like I said, that one. It's just not a very good idea to run a movie with. <laughs> you know, dude, there's so many sports movies. You know, more gonna you know come for better or worse. 
Uh, I think we had a pretty solid list. Yeah, and then, and then recapping, so on the very end, so the, the last ones we haven't talked about the Rotten Tomato scores for are the, the two Rocky movies we discussed. So yeah. Rocky Five. do you want to have a guess at that? Eight. 31%. Really? So, so people okay. are, are Rocky one then. 84. 92%. Huh, I'm surprised it was that high. And uh, last one, your uh, D3, the Mighty Ducks entrance there. 18. 20%. Okay. So oh, it was very there. close, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, Good so I mean, for the most part, I think the, the tomato score kind of speak to yeah. the size of the list. But I, I do want to say, once again, Fever Pitch got a 65%. No, don't care. Terrible tomatoes. movie. Boston Red Sox are awful. Um, how'd you like the beer? The Buffalo Bayou I've, More Cowbell. I've actually enjoyed it. I mean, it's, I enjoyed it too. Are we are we starting to like IPAs more as we get older? So like, I think with this one, you know, there's still like a heavy IPA on it, but I guess. Maybe about like 35% of the way the beer, I kind of settled into it, if you know what I mean. Like I enjoyed it. And I'm so like, they, huh, maybe I like IPA now. Maybe I'm that guy. Maybe it's changing. Yeah. I mean, or, or taste buds. You know, yeah, we're both 30. Maybe that's just how it is. Huh. Could be. But but yeah, no, I I approve. I, I think it's a worthwhile one to try, especially if you are of the IPA mind. I, I think this is definitely a good route to go. I yeah, I'd say at this point, I'm actually really enjoying it. <laughs> all right, so we're going to finish off the beer, guys. I think that's all we have for you this week. Until next time, go watch a sports movie, and we'll see you on the next episode of Wrecked Rankings.